We all know Notre Dame needs to improve offensively this season, but where does the offense need to upgrade the most in the 2024 recruiting cycle? The answer coming up next on this edition of Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Wednesday, March 29th, and thank you for getting your day started here by making this your first listen of the day. As always, this show is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, but no matter where it is you're tuning in from, you can help out the show by hitting that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also like the video below, and if you're listening to the podcast, rate the show five stars, and you could even leave a review if you feel so inclined. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I've been a Notre Dame fan for my entire life. I graduated from the university in 2018, and I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer for the College Football Talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at Notre Dame's biggest needs on offense in this upcoming recruiting class. We've covered spring practice a lot on this show already, but this is also a very important recruiting stretch for Notre Dame, especially for the class of 2024, so I feel like we need to give it its due here on the show. I'll talk about Notre Dame's needs on the defensive side of the ball in tomorrow's episode, but today we're going to focus on the offense. And as a disclaimer, this list has to do more with who's currently on Notre Dame's scholarship roster and not the guys who have verbally committed already. What I mean is, if Notre Dame has a guy or even multiple players verbally committed at one position in this class, it still might be included because they haven't signed yet and they're not on the roster. Now, I'm not one of those people that's like so pessimistic that I think a verbal commitment isn't worth anything anymore and act like it's meaningless. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. I'd much rather have a guy commit to Notre Dame than not. But I also understand that we're over eight months away from the early signing period and a lot can change in that amount of time, as we know. Um, So based on the current construction of Notre Dame's roster, here's what I think Notre Dame needs most in its 2024 class on offense. At number one, it's the quarterback. Now, some of you might be surprised that this is number one, considering the fact that Notre Dame's current quarterback room is in much better shape today than it has been for, honestly, the better part of the last decade. But let me explain. Obviously, the quarterback is the most important position, not just in football, but all of sports. And in modern college football, you need an elite quarterback in order to compete for a national championship, right? We know that. I'm not splitting the atom here. But even though we all know how important the quarterback is, history tells us it's one of, if not the most difficult position to evaluate at the college and pro level. Look at the NFL. If you look at all the quarterbacks who have been taken in the first round over the past two decades, around 50% of them turn out to be busts. I'm not going to go through every single one, but that information is out there. That segment has has been done before by other podcasters. So if you don't believe that number, then I would encourage you to look it up for yourself. What that means, though, is scouts and front office executives who are paid tons of money to evaluate these guys with all the tape, all the information, and all the resources you could possibly imagine, they still get it wrong 50% of the time. And they'll continue to take chances on quarterbacks in the first round and continue to get it wrong. And you know why? It's because history also tells us that drafting a quarterback in the first round gives you the best chance at playoff success. Look at this year's NFL playoffs. In the AFC, every single team who made the playoffs drafted their starting quarterback in the first round. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lawrence, Herbert, Lamar, Tua, they were all drafted in the first round. Now, I know Lamar wasn't, or he was hurt for that playoff game, but you see my point here. If you look at the top quarterbacks in the league overall, 
they're almost all in the AFC with Jalen Hurts being the exception. And yes, I'm including Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets in that. Um, And Hurts was drafted in the second round, so he's not that far off. I bring this up because it's the same in college for the most part. There are plenty of four- and five-star quarterback prospects recruited out of high school who never amount to anything at the college level. But more often than not, the best quarterbacks in the sport were once four- or five-stars in high school. Let's look at it last year. I think the top quarterbacks in college football were Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan. Um, You can include Hendon Hooker, Drake May, and Bo Nix in that as well, whatever order you want to put them in. Five out of those seven, Caleb Bryce, C.J. Stroud, Drake May, and Bo Nix, were all rated as five-star prospects by at least one of the four major recruiting sites when they were in high school. Now, Duggan and Hooker were not recruited as high as the rest of the group, but they were still four-star prospects when they were in high school. And if you look at it historically, six out of the 12 quarterbacks to win a game in the college football playoffs since 2017 were ranked in the top five in their class for quarterbacks. So it's clear that recruiting the top quarterback prospects gives you the best chance at landing an elite quarterback, but college coaches miss on the evaluations at nearly the exact same rate as they do in the NFL. Luke Smith and I went over this a little bit on my old podcast, but I'll go through it quickly here to show you here what I mean. Let's look at the 2020 quarterback class, okay? And we'll only go through the top five here because I don't want to take all day. Number one, Bryce Young, he went to Alabama, hit. DJ Uyunglele at two went to Clemson. I don't think that's a hit really. Not necessarily a bust, but not a hit, especially for the number two quarterback in the class. C.J. Stroud was third. He committed to Ohio State. Hit. Harrison Bailey, who? He went to Tennessee. That's a bust. Hudson Card at five to Texas. That's a bust. I know he's at Purdue and might have a good career. Bust for the sake of discussion. 2019, Spencer Radler at one. He went to Oklahoma. I mean, he's kind of done well um, at South Carolina. He had a good year in 2020. So, you know, we'll be conservative here. We'll actually give that a hit for the sake of this discussion. Bo Nix at two. He's a hit as well. Not as much at Auburn as he is at Oregon, but we'll count that as a hit. Graham Mertz at number three to Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree. It's funny, too. That's a bust. Ryan Helinski at four to South Carolina. He's at Northwestern now. Bust. Five, Sam Heldon, North Carolina. That was a hit. So three out of the top five quarterbacks in the class of 2019 were hits. Go back to 2018. Number one, Trevor Lawrence to Clemson. I think that one was a hit. Jury's still out. I'm kidding. Two, Justin Fields to Georgia. That was a hit, but at a different school. Number three, JT Daniels to USC. That's a bust. At four, Dorian Thompson-Robinson to UCLA. That was a hit. Uh, he was there forever. And then at five, Joey Gatewood. Uh, he went to Auburn. No, that's a bust. So I'll give you two out of five hits at that school. And then a third one uh, was a hit at a different school there in that 2018 class. Now, I could keep going back. I could do 2017. Um, and if I could branch this out to the top 10, the hit rate is actually even lower than the guys at the top five. But you're still looking at like a 50% hit rate there for the top five quarterback prospects in each class. The point of all this is to say that you need to recruit elite quarterbacks year in and year out to stockpile talent in the room because odds are only 50% of them are going to work out. That's not even taking into account the revolving door that is the transfer portal, um, which tells us that even if, uh, if you hit on one of these guys in the evaluation, they could leave before they're ready to play at your school because they can get on the field earlier somewhere else. I could do a full show on this, multiple shows on this in college football. I really enjoy it. But let's bring it back to Notre Dame here, right? So right now, Notre Dame has four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster now that Ron Paulus III has medically retired from football. Sam Hartman, who will be gone after this season. Tyler Buckner, who's a junior but has three years of eligibility, of eligibility left after he was redshirted this past season due to a shoulder injury. You've got Steve Angeli. He's got four years left after redshirting this past season. And Kenny Menchie, Kenny Menchie who's a true freshman. 
that's a really good room as it stands right now. Um, Notre Dame's quarterback situation for the 2023 season is great. It's leaps and bounds better than it was last year. But let's take a closer look at the guys who we assume will be around after this season. Um, I'm still a believer in Tyler Buckner. We know how good of an athlete he is, and unfortunately, his development as a quarterback has been stunted by the fact he wasn't able to play his senior year of high school because of COVID, and then he missed all of last season with a shoulder injury. I think he could be a really good starter at Notre Dame in 2024 and potentially even 2025 because, as I mentioned, he has that extra year of eligibility. Steve Angeli, I'm not as high on, okay? Like, he's got the size. He's a pretty good athlete, but he wasn't even ranked in the top 350 players nationally in his recruiting class. And typically, guys ranked that low don't turn out to be studs, right? Like, I know Ian Book was an exception, and I loved Ian Book, okay? But I don't think you should count on guys ranked that low as a recruit to develop into a great quarterback because, or just because Book did it. Like, that's not good business. As for Minchie, the early reports have been great. He's really accurate. He seems to have all the intangibles you want in a quarterback and as a leader, and he has the potential to outperform his high school recruiting ranking. But I need to point out, he wasn't even a top 150 player in his class, so it's possible that he'll turn out to be a great player, but history would tell us that's a risk too if that's what you're banking on. Plus, any of these guys could transfer at any time. I mean, Tyler Buckner, um, he could transfer in the summer if he doesn't want to wait around anymore and he doesn't want to sit behind Sam Hartman. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, by the way. If Steve Angeli gets passed up by Kenny Minchie at some point, it could even happen this spring, and he realizes he doesn't have a path to seeing the field anytime soon. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he left at some point down the road, and it's it's way too early to tell with Kenny Minchie. He literally just got on campus a few weeks ago, so we're not going to talk about the prospect of him transferring. Now, again, I'm not saying any of these guys are going to transfer. I would actually be really surprised if Buckner did leave. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. If any of these guys were to make a move, it would probably be Angeli, but it's probably too early to tell with him too. But any of these things could happen, and the best way to prepare for that is by recruiting an elite quarterback every single year and then letting the best player win out. That's what Ohio State does. That's what Alabama does. That's what all the best teams in college football do, and it's worked out pretty well for them so far. As it relates to Notre Dame's class of 2024, they're in a great spot right now with C.J. Carr verbally committed. Carr is the number 40 overall player in his class, according to the 24-7 sports composite, which is the industry standard in the sport, and he's the fifth-ranked quarterback, so that's great. Um, Carr's listed at 6'2 and a half and 195 pounds, so he's got the frame. He's been the vocal leader in this class so far, um, although I know he's been a little bit quiet ever since Reese left for Alabama, but based on all the reporting that's out there, he's solid in his pledge, and I think he'll even be at the spring game with four-star wide receiver Cam Williams, more on him later, uh, who's also a Notre Dame commit and five-star defensive tackle Justin Scott, according to Tom Loy from Irish Illustrated. So if Notre Dame holds on to Carr, which I think they will, then that's a major win for this class and absolutely fills the need at quarterback in 2024. I'm confident that out of Carr or Kenny Minchie, one of them will turn out to be a really good quarterback at Notre Dame. Now, I realize that if none of these guys were to work out, Notre Dame could always step into the transfer portal, just like they did with Sam Hartman and even Jack Hone a couple years back. That's always going to be an option in modern college football, but I think the most reliable option is still recruiting elite quarterbacks out of high school. Filling a need through the portal is fine, but I don't think relying on it is good business for any position, let alone the most important one on the field. If we've learned anything from the past decade plus of watching Notre Dame football, it's that things don't always go to plan, especially when it comes to the quarterbacks. And we got to see firsthand last year what happens when you don't have a good backup plan at the position. It can tank your entire season. Notre Dame can prevent that situation from ever happening again by signing at least one top quarterback prospect every single year. And yes, I understand by doing that, it opens the door for some guys to leave, but that's fine. 
Because more often than not, the guys who leave are worse than the players who stay. That's the reason why they're transferring. Look at Drew Pine. That's why he went to Arizona State. He knew that Sam Hartman, a better quarterback, was coming in with young guys behind him. The quarterback situation is great right now. I cannot stress that enough. But it can always be better. And the better your quarterback is, the better your team is, and the more likely you are to reach the pinnacle of college football. Notre Dame hasn't been able to get that guy yet who can carry them to the top, but they can keep trying by going after the top quarterback prospects every year, and eventually one of them is going to be the guy. Okay, coming up next in segment two, why Notre Dame's second biggest need on offense is finding guys who can protect the top priority. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers and no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Today, we're looking at Notre Dame's biggest recruiting needs on offense in the class of 2024. And be sure to tune into tomorrow's episode when I look at the biggest needs on defense. All right. Now that we've gone over the quarterback, how many of you have seen the movie The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock? If you have, you'll remember the opening scene from that movie when she mentions that left tackles are typically the second highest paid players in the NFL behind the quarterbacks because it's the tackle's job to protect the most important asset on the team, which is the quarterback. We've been over this. She even makes the analogy that the quarterback is like your mortgage and your tackle is your insurance. And if you're like me, you don't necessarily love paying a lot for insurance, but you know that it's necessary because if you don't have it, like life is going to burn you in an instant. I remember when I was 25 years old, um, at the start of 2021, I was briefly without a job and I was about to turn 26 and I would no longer be on my parents' health insurance plan. I was very fortunate. Like it didn't cost more for them to have me on, but I was looking at the situation like I'm on a ticking time bomb here because the moment I turn 26 and lose that insurance, I'm going to walk out of my house and get struck by a car or something. And then after that, I'm going to be shit out of luck. Like that's just kind of the luck I have. So I knew I needed to get a job because I needed insurance and you need insurance in life. And in college football, you need great offensive tackles. It's the same thing. This season, Notre Dame has what I think is the best tandem of offensive tackles in the entire country in Joe Alton Blake Fisher. Joe Alt was obviously a first-team All-American left tackle as a true sophomore, and Blake Fisher could compete for All-American teams this season as the right tackle. So even though Notre Dame is in a great spot this season, there is a chance that both of those guys could leave for the NFL after this year. They might stay, but they might not, and Notre Dame needs to be ready if they do decide to leave because both those guys could get drafted really high in 2024. Like, Joe Alt right now is looking like a surefire first-round pick next year, and I think Blake Fisher could be the same. So let's take a look at the depth chart. Tosh Baker, he's one of the oldest guys. He was a top 100 prospect coming out of high school, but it hasn't really worked out for him at Notre Dame. Um, he got a couple starts in 2021 after Blake Fisher suffered that season-ending injury in week one. But then Baker suffered a cut concussion and ultimately got passed up by Alt, who was a true freshman at the time. And it just sounds like Baker at this point is probably best suited as a backup. Michael Carmody is another senior who played tackle at Notre Dame, but he's moved inside to guard. Then you've got two sophomores that could step up once Alton Fisher are gone in Ty Chan and Emil Wagner. Wagner was a top 150 player coming out of high school and surprised a lot of people when he picked Notre Dame over Kentucky. Uh, I'm pretty sure even the Notre Dame coaching staff was surprised when he made that move. 
Um, Ty Chan is a really good player, but he's pretty athletic. He might even move inside. We don't know yet. Um, in the class of 2023, this class from the previous season, Notre Dame signed Sullivan Absher and Charles Jagasaw, who were both listed as tackles. Jagasaw was actually the top prospect in the entire class for Notre Dame. He was right around a top 50 player nationally. Both of, the, both of those guys could be studs at Notre Dame, but I've also heard some rumblings that one or maybe even both of those might be better suited to play guard in college. It's still way too early to tell for these two. I mean, they're not even on campus yet. They will be in the summer. But in summary, of the eight players on scholarship listed at tackle, one has already moved to guard in Michael Carmody. Tosh Baker hasn't done anything to live up to the height he once had as a recruit. Alton Fisher could both be gone after the season. And then you're left with four underclassmen who haven't taken a snap in college. And of those four, it sounds like at least one or maybe even two of them is going to move inside at some point in their careers. That is why Notre Dame needs to be very aggressive in recruiting true offensive tackles in the class of 2024. Not because I don't think any combination of those young guys could turn out to be great players in Notre Dame. I do, but more so because it is the second most important position on the offense, and Notre Dame doesn't have any proven commodities behind Alton Fisher at this point in time. Right now, four-star Peter Jones out of Pennsylvania is the only offensive lineman commit in the class of 2024, and he's projected to play on the interior. Um, A couple names to keep an eye out for. Four-star Styles Prescott from Fishers, Indiana, is a tackle prospect that was at one point considered a lock to commit to Notre Dame in January. Steve Wiltfong, Tom Loy, and Kevin Sinclair from 24-7, and Loy and Sinclair, obviously, from Irish Illustrated, all had him crystal ball to commit to Notre Dame in January. But then Harry Heastan, Tommy Reese, and Brian Mason, all three of them were primary recruiters for Prescott, have since left the program. Notre Dame is obviously still recruiting him hard, but it's not as much of a sure thing that he commits anymore like it felt a couple months ago. Gerby Lambert is a four-star tackle out of Massachusetts that Notre Dame really wants. Lambert is the 45th player overall in the class of 2024, according to 24-7 Composite, and the number two tackle in his class. Tom Loy crystal balled Lambert to uh, ND back in November, but he's also getting looked at by Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State. So Notre Dame is going to have to really work hard to get him to commit and then sign in December. The good thing for Notre Dame is that they're able to sign top offensive line prospects annually. Like the position basically recruits itself at Notre Dame, which is certainly not something you could say at every position at the school. So my concern level for this position isn't high, even if Alton Fisher were to leave after this year. But given the nature of the position and how important it is to the function of the offense and the lack of proven commodities behind Alton Fisher, I think landing two or even three true tackle prospects in this class is extremely important for Notre Dame. Okay, coming up in segment three, which offensive skill position does Notre Dame need more in the class of 2024? Wide receivers or running backs? Now that we've covered the quarterback and the offensive tackles, in my opinion, Notre Dame's third biggest need on offense in this class is that wide receiver. In last year's class, I don't even think you could say receiver recruiting was like a top priority. It was literally life or death for the offense because they had nobody left at the position. But fortunately, Chancey Stuckey came in and completely overhauled that room by signing four really good receiver prospects in the class of 2023. But like Kobe Bryant once said, job's not finished. Notre Dame is still making up ground in receiver recruiting to make up for years of lackluster performance in that department. Notre Dame currently has 10 scholarship receivers on the roster right now, which is the number Chancey Stuckey said last year is where you want to be at that position. Matt Salerno and Caleb Smith, the Virginia Tech transfer, are two grad students who will be gone after this season. Notre Dame has three juniors with two years of eligibility remaining in Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Stiles, and Jaden Thomas. Both Colsey and Thomas turned out to be pretty good players by the end of last season, while Stiles took a big step back after he had a great finish to his freshman season in 2021. We'll see what this group can do this season because that will have a major impact on how the position looks like in the future. Um, Tobias Merriweather is the only sophomore wide receiver, and as I said in yesterday's episode, he's the X factor in the room, and if he can become a true wide receiver one this season, 
that would be huge for Notre Dame. And I believe he has the physical traits and the skill set to do it. Behind Tobias, you've got the four true freshman wide receivers that I just mentioned. Three of those are already on campus, and Jane Greathouse, Rico Flores, and Braylon James. And each one of them is impressed so far, based on everything we've been hearing. Um, All four of those guys are four-star prospects, and I'd have to imagine at least two of those guys are going to be hits and turn out to be really good players at Notre Dame. That being said, Notre Dame could still use three more receivers prospects in this class to replace Smith and Salerno once those guys leave and improve the overall talent in the room. As Kevin Sinclair from Irish Illustrated has pointed out, the average ranking of receivers signed by Notre Dame over the four-class span from 2017 through 2020 is number 419 overall nationally. That was the average receiver crew that Notre Dame was pulling in. The average ranking of receivers signed and committed to Notre Dame um, among the four-class span from 2021 through 2024, and obviously that's incomplete at this point in time, is 193. So that's a big improvement Um, But Notre Dame needs to continue to build on that in order to have an offense that can compete for the college football playoff on an annual basis. Just look at the top passing offenses in the country. They're stacking up multiple top 150 receivers year after year, or in the case of Ohio State, they get the top 10 every year. Like What Brian Hartline is doing over there in Columbus is insane, but that's who Notre Dame is competing with, like it or not. So Notre Dame needs to keep the pace. Fortunately for Notre Dame, Chancey Stuckey has proven to be one of the most effective recruiters on the entire staff. So I believe he'll be able to haul in another impressive crop of receivers in this second cycle as the Notre Dame wide receivers coach. Another thing Notre Dame is going for them is that they already have a top quarterback prospect commit um, in C.J. Carr, who's been acting as the vocal leader of the guys who have already committed and the new recruits. That also helps in receiver recruiting in a big way because guys want to go to a school where they're confident in the player who might be throwing them the ball. Notre Dame's top commit in the class of 2024 right now is Cam Williams, a four-star wide receiver out of Glenbard South in Illinois. Williams is the number 29 player overall, according to 27, and he's the number six wide receiver in his class. And Williams has been committed to Notre Dame since June of 2022. He's remained solid in his commitment despite the staff turnover on offense, and he has a great relationship with C.J. Carr. Having Williams on board is huge for Notre Dame, but they still need to sign at least two more guys, in my opinion, to really take that receiver room to the next level. Ryan Wingo is a five-star that Notre Dame was looking at for a while, but like it's not really looking good. I know he's been on campus a bunch, but it looks like Wingo's moved on to other schools and Notre Dame isn't really in the running anymore. Bronte Johnson is a top prospect from Indiana who could commit to Notre Dame. He's listed as an athlete, and even though a lot of the major recruiting platforms plank him as a wide receiver, it sounds like the Notre Dame staff uh, prefers him on defense, but I don't know. We'll see what happens there. He might even be on campus this weekend, actually. Emmett Mosley is a four-star wideout from California that Notre Dame is going after pretty hard. It makes sense considering both of his parents went to Notre Dame. His dad even played running back and wide receiver at Notre Dame from 1993 through 1996. There's plenty of really talented high school receivers out there. Um, and even though I, I think it's a top priority for the Notre Dame staff, it might be one of the positions I'm worried about the least because I think that highly of Chancey Stuckey. And with Cam Williams already on board, I'm confident Stuckey's going to be able to land at least two more guys. And the Notre Dame receiving core could creep up to being one of the top units um, in the entire country in a couple of years if they're able to continue this recruiting momentum at that position. So there you have it. The three biggest needs on offense for Notre Dame in the class of 2024, quarterback at one, offensive tackles two, wide receivers at number three. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnIrish, on Instagram at LockedOnIrishPod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court 
Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.